Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober. An unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, weirdly, I'm in the booth on my own, which feels terribly strange and lonely. I'm here with a cheeky bonus episode of Sober Awkward, you'll be pleased to hear. I didn't want you to go a whole week without some toilet humour and some sober inspiration. Hamish and I recorded a chat about loneliness a couple of weeks ago. Because it was a topic that came up on my recent Sober Weekender, I thought I'd share it with you before this weekend in case anyone was dealing with loneliness and wanted some tips on how to feel less isolated in sobriety. I also wanted to tell you a little bit about what's coming up in series six that starts next week. Hamish and I have broken all the rules and decided to get some guests on. Woohoo! We are starting top notch, of course. What would you expect with Fatboy Slim? We can't wait to share that one with you. And we have some other incredible guests booked in. We plan on releasing one guest episode per month intertwined with your usual sober awkward episodes. Also, coming up in season six, we're going to have a chat about dopamine, about red flags, about hormones and what it's like being sober on Tinder. We might have a special guest that you know for that one, but I'm not going to give too much away. 
If you would like to buy one of our Sober Awkward t-shirts, I may as well tell them about you now because I'm in here on my own and I feel like waffling away. You can go to our website, which is SoberAwkward.com and you'll find the shop. Buying a t-shirt on there or a packet of tea or indeed joining Patreon are three great ways for you to support us and help us share the message that sobriety isn't just cool, it will actually be the best thing you ever do for yourself. Hamish and I do work so hard and with your support we can keep this going. So show us some love and buy us a monthly cup of tea. Now that's enough of awkward weird begging. I just wanted to share this episode today because loneliness is something that I have suffered from in sobriety. And last weekend I spent some time with other amazing sober women. We went camping and laughed and shared all of our experiences. But the problem of feeling isolated came up. And it is an odd one because a lot of people feel it. It can actually be the reason why people give up on sober life, which is a shame. So me and Hamish had a little bit of a chat about it. I hope this episode helps you that are struggling look beyond the icky bit and get you back out there and owning your sobriety. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm sorry it's just me. I feel weird in here in Freddie's room on my own. I hope you enjoy the episode and tune in to Series 6 starting next Monday. Bye. Lonely, I am so lonely. Mr. Lonely. Oh dear, Hamish, can you stop that, please? Hamish. Oh dear, oh dear. Not good. Have you ever had? I thought you were like a drama kid. You're supposed to have a good singing voice. <laughs> no, I never did musicals. Why are you singing that song, Hamish? Well, today's episode, the clue was in the song. Oh. Was Lonely. Mr. Yes. Lonely. Oh, it's Loneliness. Mr. Lonely. Okay, I get so, it. So, what did you do this weekend? Okay, you I, didn't question. Yeah, I wasn't lonely actually Damn. this weekend. Okay, yeah, I failed. Actually, this is why. This is the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic today, which is loneliness in sobriety. Because sometimes I do get lonely, Hamish. But this weekend I went out and had lunch with some sober women. I always come away feeling really good after hanging out with sober people because I realise I don't have to explain myself when I'm with sober people. Most social interactions used to happen at the pub. And now that we don't go out as much, neither of us are getting the same amount of contact that we used to. And well, like a lot of sober people, we stay in more than ever. I would say that I sell in more than ever, not only because I'm sober, but because I'm a new dad. Yeah. Because I'm actually really never alone at all. Yeah, that, there's something to be said for that <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if loneliness is being alone, I think we'll cover this later, but I'm literally never alone, except for my drive to and from work. Yes, which That's, is probably your favourite time of day. Time. Yeah. I, I do quite enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So I rarely feel lonely in that sense. So for me, the loneliness weirdly comes when I'm surrounded by people but they are maybe drunk people. Yes. And so you can feel lonely in a room full of people. That's what I have experienced at weddings or big boozy events. So true. For some, they found out they are shy when they quit drinking. More of an introvert, like Lucy found out. I could never get Lucy out, Hamish. She was happy at home with a cup of tea and a grim British crime drama. I literally had to drag her out the front door by the ear in the early days of her sobriety. Actually, Hamish, you've got quite a lot to grab onto there, haven't you, your ears? First my nose, then my height, now my ears. Yeah. <laughs> just le- just stop. Is that fat shaming? Length shaming. Stop length shaming me. Yeah, I'm ear shaming. You are. Yeah. Today we want to discuss why staying at home feels so safe, why it's imperative to keep going out, living your life, and how to overcome that initial phase of sobriety isolation. Oh, yes, that's a good term, sobriety is, isolation. Did you come yes. up with that? Yes, thank you. That is good. I should get paid for that. You should write a book. I should write a sobriety <laughs> isolation, the diaries. Yeah. <laughs> We want you to go away from this podcast feeling less alone in your sober journey, journey and knowing that the world is patiently waiting for your triumphant return. Loneliness is that negative feeling that arises when our social needs are unmet by the quantity and quality of our current social relationships. As social beings, we rely on safe, secure social surroundings to survive and thrive. That is like a lot of S's. Yes. Social beings. Wow. When we begin to feel lonely, we experience high Heightened feelings of vulnerability, which can take a toll on both our bodies and our minds. Loneliness is common. It affects around one in three adults. 
And after a few years with a pandemic driving people to isolate more often, loneliness is a feeling that many of us might still be experiencing. I just wanted to interject there, Hamish, and tell you about the time I worked for Meals on Wheels. Mm -hmm. That was a time where I really experienced the loneliness of others. I had to deliver the meals to people in the community around here on the Sunshine Coast, and I didn't realise, it says one in three adults, and I'd say that is specifically more older people, um, because I would deliver meals to people and they would never have seen anyone for the whole day. Mm. And you forget sometimes that there are people living all around you that are lonely. It's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah, we actually get that working on the radio here. There are people that call up the radio every day that I'm working, not to be like song request or not to be on air, but just to have a catch up. Oh, that's so sweet. Same people every time. Just, oh, what are you up to? Oh, I'm doing this. It's raining at my house. And just have a chat for a while. I think, think, weirdly, I think that's sort of one of the nice things about radio. Having voices in the house all the time. People get to know the presenters and feel like they're friends and feel like they're less alone. And that's something that we get with the podcast, actually, is that often our messages say, your podcast makes me feel less alone in our sobriety, which is great, isn't it? To know that you can go for a walk or sit in a room or or not go out if you don't want to and have us there to support you and to be there, even if we're not physically there. that's quite nice. Yeah, a lot of people don't have a lot of sober friends. So I guess we could just be the sober friends. friends. We're happy to be your sober (laughs) friends. Yeah. Loneliness happens in sobriety because you change. You want different things from a social experience and you worry about people's reactions to your newfound sobriety. And so you stay in and hide like a hermit, get lonely and possibly begin to feel depressed. I consider myself an extrovert and confident, but now often find myself preferring a night in over a noisy party. I try and come up with an excuse if we can get invited to a dinner party that starts, that's right, starts at 8pm. Am I just getting old though? Is this what parenthood looks like? I think so. Those eight o'clock starts, like people say, oh yeah, come around for dinner. We'll start the barbecue at about eight. Yes, and My no mums food till saying, nine. You see her yesterday, Hamish was over for dinner. She's like, what time are we eating? I was like, we're going to eat at five. And she folded her arms. <laughs> no, it was quarter to five. It was quarter to five. <laughs> She's like, this is too early. She can't cope. See, when we invite people over for dinner, so get there at six, the food's already on the table. Yeah. And it only takes about half an hour. And then usually we bathe sunny. Yeah. And like one of us disappearing to the bathroom is quite a clear piss it's off. It's the sign. It yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. In, out. We've had your company. Now you're off. Yeah. My we- mum used to put the clocks forward. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we'd go sit in like the living room after yeah. dinner and the clock would be half an hour forward. Like, oh my God, is that the time? And I'll leave. It's good. <laughs> that is a good, that yeah. is a good tip. She now has a cushion. So I think my, my brother and wife got her a cushion, which is on the sofa where people would sit that says, please leave by nine. <laughs> Love it. I need one of those. It is partly about getting old, I think, and partly being more introvert in sobriety and partly just no longer knowing how to socialise. I think that's huge. For me, it was the last one that was the clincher. There is a saying I love, which is the kettle doesn't boil unless you turn it on. And I'm often reminded of this in sobriety. I've noticed that I don't get invited to many events anymore, especially boozy parties. This is for many reasons. Some people might think I'm boring or judging them or just because they don't like me, which is fair (laughs) enough. I don't mind that. So now we have to switch the kettle on. I have to switch it on by myself and create a social life that suits me. Does that make sense? You need to switch on your life rather than wait for somebody else to boil it for you. So you invite yourself to your own parties every time? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Well, are you saying you're about to make a cup of tea? It's a bit weird timing it during the podcast, but yeah, I don't really drink tea. I'll take a chai, though, if you are. I don't know. I'm Did not saying oh. I'm not actually putting the kettle on now. Oh, okay. Sorry. I completely <laughs> misread the situation. Yeah. Although if you do want a cup afterwards, I'll make you one. Thank you. Yeah. It means in sobriety you must work out new ways to socialise that make you happy, not trigger you and make you less anxious. And this can be really hard, which is why lots of people stay at home. You have to reframe socialising in order to not be lonely. You touched on a few reasons there, Hamish, when you were talking, but why do you feel lonely sometimes? As I said, I'm never alone and I'm always busy with Liz and with Sunny, which I love. So I'm not lonely in that respect, but I guess I am lonely sometimes in my sobriety. Hmm. The way I described it, I think I said this on the podcast, is when I'm at an event where everyone is drunk, there's a very specific moment in the night where I feel as if everyone has boarded a train to a place that I can't get to. They're all in the same headspace and I can't get there whatever I try and do. I can be silly, I can dance, I can still hold a good conversation, but I can't get to where they are. Is it about 10pm, Hamish? 
Yeah, probably. About yeah. About 10. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That can be lonely. Like the weddings, that is when I looked for pregnant women yeah. and parents. Yes, yeah. That was my decision. Although the parents were often more pissed than my mates. Yeah. But pregnant women were my, were my safe space. Although most weddings that I went to, and this is probably a sign of the times, had at least one other sober person who was sober not because they were pregnant. Yes, so okay, it always seems good. to be one other. So you can search out a sober buddy sometimes in those situations. Yeah. I've lived in Australia for five years. And I've always slightly struggled with connecting with Australian men. And I don't know why that is. It might be something to do with me. It might be the fact I haven't met particular ones that, that are my type of people. And this is a stereotype. But there's a big drinking culture here. That is a way that people bond. And now I've even taken that out of my of yeah. my repertoire yeah. of tools to bond with Australian men. Yeah. So I think it could be even harder and I might start feeling lonely in that respect. I think you're very open and very extrovert, as we've talked about mm. before. And I think some Australian men are not like that and probably find it a bit much. Like mm. John's quite similar to you, very outgoing. And he finds the same issue. He finds it quite hard to connect with people. I think part of it is because... We're expats and mm. the people here are already established. They've got their mates from school. Yeah. They've got their mates that they hung out with. So they don't need new mates often. Mm -hmm. And it's quite hard to establish yourself within a community over here for any expat living in any other country. And you do end up looking for people from your own country eventually, which yeah. is strange. Yeah. yeah, I do find having a, a connection over home, over England with people, starts off a good bond with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and saying, hey, let's meet and go for a pint is a lot more socially acceptable than let's meet and go for a walk or yeah. scrabble at mine. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. You, you know, you almost can't, don't know where to invite someone yeah. to, do you? Yeah. Shall we go down the beach? Yeah, it just sounds odd mm. rather than let's go down the pub and have a few pints with our mates. Yeah. yeah, so you can't almost establish a connection early on, so therefore it's almost avoided. Mm -hmm. Earlier we talked about going to bed early and sometimes on a Friday night I find myself in bed at 8pm. I wonder who I am now. It doesn't coincide with who I've been for the last 25 years. So that can be a bit weird. I'm almost disappointed with myself because I've been so brainwashed into believe that staying home is boring. And I think that's part of the issue. Like we think being at home is boring, whereas in fact, it's actually not that boring. Mm. It's actually quite cozy, isn't it? I also told you earlier today. So I had dinner here with you last night, got home. Sonny's not well. And we started watching a show. I fell asleep. Sunny woke up, Liz went in there to see if he was all right. She came back, she goes, Hey, you're asleep. We're still in the sevens. Oh, yes, 7 p.m. So I was, sleep. I was in bed and asleep, still in the sevens. Oh, see, we're like, that's a win, aren't <laughs> and we? I'd be out for dinner. I'd yeah. be sociable that night. <laughs> that is a win to me. Like, it the earlier, the better. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I think we did like five or six wake-ups before midnight. Yeah, so you know you've been Sunny. asleep early when you've got five or six wake-ups. Oh, he's before... teething, isn't he? Yeah, front teeth. So we've got a Sonny who's teething and my poor little Freddie who had to have a tooth pulled out on Friday. Yeah, it's been a very tooth-focused week for us, isn't yes, it? Yes, very toothy yeah. week. What about you, Vic? Why do you feel lonely sometimes? Well, it's funny, really. People don't really imagine me as being a lonely person, but I do get lonely occasionally. I'm not sure sometimes who I am socially anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know who this person is. It's still taking me time, even five years in, to work out who I am in a social situation. And sometimes I fill that gap with who I am with speaking. And then I feel paranoid about what I've said. Okay. So I'll go out and I'll over talk and be like, yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. And I walk away feeling quite distressed that I've spoken too much. You think you've dominated conversation? I feel like I've dominated conver okay. conversation and been a bit of a wanker. Um, I feel comfortable at home, which of course everybody does. I couldn't be bothered with the whole I'm sober convo sometimes. Yeah. Especially being out with non-drinkers, like, why don't you drink? I just can't be asked to answer loads of questions. And I've changed so much and that can be confronting for people. So that's also hard. I'm not as good as making effort with people. Um, I used to be really desperate to please people and now I'm not. So that means I don't make as much effort with people. Oh, I don't think that's true. I actually do make quite a lot of effort. You make think. huge effort with people. Okay, good. Maybe just people you hate. Yeah, just people like that. I think I've just, I'm better at deciding out who I hate. Okay, that's I think good. that's what it is. I think people presume I'm busy when I'm not. And so this is my during the week thing, Hamish. Mm. So during the week, I see you on Mondays. We do mm. the podcast, right? Then for the rest of the week, my phone doesn't go. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of bumbling around. I get loads of work done. I do lots of writing. But I don't go out for lunch with people. I don't go for walks with people. And I get very lonely during the week. And I guess okay. everyone's busy during the week. And that is the problem with having your own business or running your own thing, which mm -hmm. is what I do. I run this whole big thing, this sober thing. And I just think 
people presume I'm busy. Yeah. And actually, I'm not. I need breaks. I'm not in an office where you can have a tea break or a smoko break with someone. I'm at home alone and there's no one there to say to you, do you want a cup of tea or should we go for okay. a walk or should we have a chat? And I get lonely because I'm running my own business and I think maybe I need to go to one of those communal workspaces mm-hmm. so that I've got people to chat to throughout the day because I thrive on human connection. When I'm working at home alone, I definitely feel sort of isolated. I would have assumed three kids during the school term is mayhem. No, not during the day. Yeah. I mean, it is mayhem. I'm busy, but I need breaks from that yeah. busyness. I think that's what it is. I was very aware when we moved up here, suddenly the phone doesn't ring. Yeah. I think we're used to London. And it's like, there's plans every night. Yes. And we're going to theatres and we're going to shows and there's birthdays. And then you move away from that or you move to Queensland or wherever you move to. And have kids. And have kids. And you go, oh, the phone doesn't ring anymore. Yeah, the phone doesn't ring. I don't know whether that's... Uh, I think this is a problem with social media as well. People presume you're all right. right. And it's that thing with depression and people... And suicide. I remember this guy from... Um, Ellen show committed mm-hmm. suicide recently oh. the guy who did um, the music for Ellen show I yeah, think yeah. and I saw a video of him the other day the day before he committed suicide where he was doing like a TikTok dance mm. and I think you just presume everybody's okay because they're doing things like that there's photos of them with their mm. family they look happy everybody looks nonchalant like they're having a lovely time whereas in fact people are lonely and sad and depressed but they don't show that side of themselves online because they don't want anyone to worry about yeah. them and that yeah. is an issue in our modern culture, I think, mm-hmm. is that people look like they're not lonely, whereas in fact, actually, they are. Absolutely. It seems for both of us that we are alone or lonely, perhaps a little more than we would like. I may have cancelled myself, Hamish. Oh, you reckon you've cancelled Yeah, I've cancelled myself. Is that allowed? <laughs> yes, yeah, allowed. It's frowned on. It's understandable, though. Cancelling yourself feels easier than putting this sober version of you out there. I know I was worried my mates would think I was a boring wanker now. But surprisingly, <laughs> a recent... Well, they might still think I'm a wanker. Yeah, they won't but tell you, Surprisingly, though. a recent survey shows that 91% of males between the ages of 18 and 35 wouldn't care if a mate chose not to drink on a night out. And that has actually been my lived experience, which yeah. I was surprised by. I'm so surprised by that and joyful I feel about that. Mm. So really that thing that we get into our head about people not accepting us as being sober is starting to change. So if we do go out and say I don't drink, there's 91% of males in Australia would say don't worry about yeah. it mate, that's fine. So there's only 9% that would give you a hard time. Because mm. I think a lot of people stay in during those early years so they just, like you said, I don't want to talk about it. I only talk yeah. about why I'm sober. And actually my experience is you say I'm sober and there aren't follow-up questions. There People are. are just accepting, oh, yeah, whatever, you don't need to drink. Does that mean you're only 9% wanker? Yeah, 9% wanker, 91% total bloody legend. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. Not a bad result, I reckon. <laughs> so those opinions of others that we spend so much time stressing over don't actually exist. That's right. We're coming into an era of more accepting views. As society, we're beginning to understand that it's personal choice to drink or not, and we respect the decisions of our friends. If they are not drinking, they have a good reason, and that is enough. Yeah, just saying I'm sober should be enough. Yeah, instead of the old, come on, what's wrong with you? Nowadays, you might just get a good on you, mate, which is an incredible leap forward for all of mankind, I reckon. So staying home because you are worried about what others might think of you is not actually real, we've discovered. Also, if they do care and have a go at you about it, they're more than 9% wanker and you don't need them in your life. Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) What are some of the other reasons sober people stay home more? Scared of relapse is obviously quite an easy one, although what we've both found is that you stay at home because you're scared of relapsing, but then you stay at home too much, your life becomes boring, alcohol is not boring, so I'll drink. Yeah, that's And that is such a dangerous mindset. Such a dangerous mindset, Mm. yep. Staying at home, especially isolation, especially the pandemic, that's a perfect example. Mm. People stayed at home, got bored and started drinking and came out the other end with a huge drinking issue. Absolutely. So staying at home is a catalyst to drinking sometimes, Mm -hmm. I think. Too far out of the comfort zone going out. Well, we've had that whole episode on the comfort zone, haven't Mm -hmm. we? It is hard going out in early sobriety, but I think you've got to do it, haven't you? Going out also means dancing quite often, and dancing sober is a challenge. Yes. Yes, you're slightly more self-aware 
Yeah, the old robot doesn't come out as often, does it? No. The silly dancing, like the rowing, was that that was one sitting on the floor doing the row. Oh, oops, yeah, upside your head. Say oops, upside your head. Do you know that dance? Not a great one. The nutbush. <laughs> do you do nutbush? What no. dances do you know, Hamish? Uh, I know the robot. That was my signature dance move when I was a mascot. Okay, yeah. Um, never could do the worm. Would have liked to. Vinnie the Viking, the Yorkshire oh. mascot, could do the worm. Oh, so you did the worm. Yeah, no, that's always a good one. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do the worm. Nah, I used could. to try the worm, and every Sunday morning, I. I would go out, have a blackout, and then in the morning I would always have a cut on my chin. And my mates would be like, you were trying to swan dive again. You can't do it, just accept you can't do it. And I would literally like just be throwing myself onto the dance floor and cutting my chin wide open. Yeah. Now my dance moves are usually, my bottom half is basically jogging on the spot. Okay, yeah. And my my top half is doing whatever he wants. So (laughs) my step count's good when I dance. (laughs) What Hamish and I did was do the sober dancing in the dark yeah. to get over the fear. Good one. Yeah, I good highly one. recommend that yeah. as, a, as a first stepping stone. Yeah, for sure. And even like one of those silent discos. Mm-hmm. So good. Stunted conversations I've put there. I added that one because when you're out and you're first sober, you almost don't know what to say anymore. Mm, yeah. It is really weird, isn't it? So you're kind of like stumbling over your words, really conscious of what you're saying, probably over talking like I do. And you avoid going out because you just can't be bothered to feel anxious about what you're going to say. Well, because when we were drinking, our perception was that we were brilliant conversationalists, always had the fun topics, bouncing off people, quick witty replies. Yeah. And you probably still have all of those in you just without the alcohol because you probably weren't as good as you thought you were when you were drunk. I think we need to go out, Hamish, and go out with some really drunk people and record some of the conversations oh, they're having nice. just to see what it's like to see if it is as witty and as funny as we remember it being because i don't think it will be yeah yeah it'll just be a lot of slurring won't <laughs> it and dribbling yeah <laughs> the next one you've written here is one that i still haven't got over which is the awkward bill paying of course people yeah. stay inside because they don't want to have the conversation when the bill comes and you don't want to be the person that goes well I drank water, not the bottles of vodka and the cocktails. So yeah. can you divide it? And I still haven't got over it. So I just now pay my share, which is other people's. I pay for other people's cocktails is basically what's yeah, going so on. You're going out and paying for other people's yeah. drinks just because you're sober. Alcoholic drinks. Yes. I thought so I paid for my last alcoholic drink. I have bought loads of alcoholic <laughs> drinks since going sober, but I was not drunk any of them. That's so funny. It's yeah, like we shouldn't, as sober people, be going out and paying for other people's booze. Yeah, like, I, do, just... I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. It's just easier just to put the money on the table and go, here you go, but then never go and see but those people why? again. Why? Because why? It's not, no one would think I was a prick if I said, by the way, guys, I didn't drink the wine. Here's my share. Like, no one's going to remember that the next day or the next time they go out. But mm. it's bloody hard to say it. It is I'd rather just hard shut up and it. pay my share. Exactly. And that's why people don't go out. Yeah. It's because they don't want to have that awkward conversation. Whereas if someone said that to me, like, sorry, I'm sober. I don't want to pay for the expensive wine that you've ordered. I'd be like, fair enough, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Work out what you've paid. But yeah. I think we have these, these conscious minds that go round and round these events before they happen. And we talk ourselves into not going out. Mm. That's what we're doing. Um, earlier bedtimes we've talked about what's the next one home nothing to prove anymore yes what do you mean by that one I meant by like when I used to go out I used to want to prove to people what a brilliant partier I was Mm. what a brilliant person oh look at me I can drink more than anyone else I can dance better I can stay out longer I give a fuck what people think about me whereas now I've got nothing to prove so if someone I really liked or fancied for example before Mm. I was married I would go out to go and impress that person but now I haven't got any to impress okay. or show off to I don't really care what people think about me so there's no need for me to go out I, I don't see need to mean. go out and act in a stupid way and make people laugh because I don't give a shit whether they like me or not so I am the other side of that coin I now I understand that you don't need to go out because you don't need to prove yourself I like to go out because I'm trying to prove that you that sobriety is not boring yes and i love that you do that because like that means you're a brilliant advocate for non-drinkers because you're like look here i am i still do everything that i've always done but i don't drink and that is brilliant but i think further along the line if we were to speak in yes. a year you'd be like no nah, i can't be asked that that. Yeah. <laughs> too tired who cares i am not the leader of sober people yeah. i don't need to you actually are though that's the thing you don't realize you're like the pied piper of the sober world <laughs> 
of course, we don't like being around drunk people too much. No. So you're all obviously going to avoid going out if you are triggered by drunk people or you just can't bear that horrible booze breath in your face anymore. That's a good point. We always say there are no downsides to sobriety. There is one downside to sobriety, which is when you're drunk, drunk people aren't annoying. Yes. When you're sober, they are. Very annoying. That is the one downside of sobriety. Yeah. I'm sorry if I had to reveal it on the podcast. Oh, especially when they start repeating the story again yeah. and again. The old stories that you've heard a million times. Oh, God, not this again. Or just again. slightly too close to your face too and close. wearing a bit of spittle. Oh. Yeah. yeah that the old, and the old foam in the corners of the mouth. Yeah, You're like, mate, and you can't help... Uh, this sounds terrible, but because I have been that person, I've been that drunk person for many, many years. So I feel like I'm allowed to say this, but like the spit in the corner of the mouth mm. and just kind of being this floppy mess, it just isn't a good look, is it? No. And you feel like when you're in that moment that you're kind of like this goddess. I used to think I was gorgeous when mm. I was drunk, but now I look back and go, oh my God, I was just a dribbly mess. Yeah. These are all great reasons. It makes me just want to make a cup of cocoa and put my feet up. Maybe I'm missing out a bit now I'm sober because I feel like interacting with other humans has to be part of life. It's what energises me. Is that right, Vic? Well, I had a look into this. Humans are social animals. It's true. I wanted to find out why it's healthy for sober people to keep socialising, though. And the results are quite simple, really. Luckily for us, Haim, there are no long words or maths involved in this. Because you know we're not very good at the old no. maths number 52. It's really all about other people stimulating your well-being. It's proven that going out and being social is good for you and can help nip loneliness in the bud if you make positive connections with other humans. That's what it's all about. Connecting with people, be it online, via a letter or in person with a local barrister that's making you coffee. It will all help you. Hang on. Is the barrister making your coffee or is the barista making you coffee? Well, I had this conversation with mum last night. She had a friend who was training to be a barrister. And we were all like, oh, God, that's amazing. We thought she was going to be a lawyer, but she's actually training to make coffee. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, though, of course. If you've got the barrister making you coffee, you've done well. <laughs> yeah. You've walked into a coffee shop, there's a barrister sitting next to you. Oi, you, mate. <laughs> Flat white. (laughs) How dare you, he'd say. I'm off to court. Here are some reasons why socialising in your sobriety are good for you. The first one, of course, is your mental health. It stimulates all of those good dopamines, Hamish, which we talked about before. All of those good enzymes. Are they enzymes, Hamish? Shall I try and say scientific words? Neurotransmitter? Yes, something to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) It... Flickers, all of those things. Things. But like, things is always our word. It's podcast. always our word. The things, the things that are going on in your thingy. Yeah, the in things your thingy in your brain, they go wild. <laughs> yeah. um, it also gives you a sense of purpose. I think a lot of people lose their purpose in their sobriety. They think yeah. they're the party girl, they lose their sense of ide- identity. Sure. And then they struggle. It also helps ward off degenerative disease such as dementia and Alzheimer's. Is that right? Socialising can put it off. Yeah, it puts it off. Because it's, stimula- it's stimulating your brain. I actually found out something really interesting this weekend, Hamish, that I think we can do a whole podcast on is alcohol and dementia. I met a lady who works in palliative care and she had someone there who had alcohol-induced dementia that was terminal. Yeah. So she was uh, an overdrinker and it had caused this disease and she was going to die from it. And she was young, wasn't and she? And she was really young, like mm. in her 50s. Yeah, terrible. So I think we'll definitely do an episode about dementia and alcohol because it seems to be something that is more common than I realised. I had no idea they were linked. No. Um, connection brings confidence. Well, I definitely have experienced that myself. The more I go out, the more confident I feel. And it's like that Lego wall that we've talked about yes. before. Each brick adds to my confidence and I end up with this massive wall to the point where I now go into social situations when I'm not feeling lonely and isolated and think I'm just going to fucking own this and like here I am I might over talk because I'm a bit overexcited but that confidence is something that everybody will take time to build in your sobriety and once you get it it is bloody brilliant I hope that brick metaphor works for people I think about that all the time it's such a good one. every time I go out sober I feel like it's yeah, building this wall of confidence. I can do it. I've done it again. I've done it again. I've done it again. and just feel like I'm improving as a human. Yeah. It might be just going over people's heads that, but yeah. it really works for no, me. No, Lucy that. used to describe it as a blank canvas for her. Her social life was this blank canvas and it was up to her to paint the picture. Nice. So she used all different colours every time she went out. And by the end of a few months, she had an amazing array of colours on her, oh, on her canvas. Good. And she could choose then what she wanted to take away from it. She tried 
tried everything. She tried different social situations and she eventually found ones that worked. Which she's got a more artistic brain than me. I'm building a wall. Yeah, you're and more of a builder. And she's got a beautiful artistic creation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just slapping cowpats against a wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, the more cowpats I slap against the wall, the more confident <laughs> I feel. <laughs> Strong, healthy relationships lead to a strong, healthy life. Basically, good food, good habits and good friends contribute to a wholesome, long life. How good is that? Yeah, that is good. Loneliness can lead to all sorts of health problems, actually. Increased blood pressure, cholesterol and risk of developing cardiovascular disease. Plus reduced brain function, which of course leads to dementia. These are all long-term side effects of loneliness. Research also indicates that loneliness takes a toll on our mental health. So what we're saying here, Hamish, is that even though staying at home might feel safe and cosy, it could lead you to feeling very lonely and this loneliness is risky to your mental health and your sobriety. Isolation is listed as the number one reason for relapse by many individuals in early recovery. And that's exactly why I was worried about Lucy in the early days, of course, because she stayed in so much. I was like, Lucy, you need to get out there. People new to sobriety often find lots of times on their hands. When one is bored or feeling isolated, they're left with themselves. And as they say, an addict alone is in bad company. You might convince yourself in that situation that a drink is OK and it's the only answer to your solitary boredom. Hamish, what techniques do you use to eliminate loneliness? How do you boil your proverbial kettle? We keep coming back to the kettle, aren't we? Yes, because I just love that saying. It's like you've got to do it yourself. Yeah. Like you've got to switch it on. You, you, people often say to me, oh, we need a social event happening in Brisbane or we need one in Sydney. Like people from Brisbane and Sydney, they want me to organise it for them. I'm saying, you've got to turn your kettle on. I can't yeah. organise everything. You've got to be in Sydney and you've got to be the one that organises your own social events. Yeah. And people are scared to do it. They don't want to be the one sitting in a cafe on their, on their Todd when nobody turns up, which I've done many, so- many times yeah Yeah, i do it all the time (laughs) okay well it might seem like a simple answer but i just keep going to things yeah even if i'm not sure if i would necessarily enjoy going to a specific event which would be full of drinkers or booze i try and treat it like an experiment so i go there i'm like right how am i going to handle it will i enjoy it what different sides of people will i see okay i see it as like a good challenge yes specifically if you're going to one that you don't think you'll enjoy. Yeah. Oh, I don't really want to go. I know what it's going to be like, but then it's a good challenge. Well, can I do this sober? Because I would have just got drunk and then definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. Let's take a step back and treat it as like a challenge. So you can sit at home, like watching TV all day, or you can mm-hmm. sit there and go, right, I'm going to set myself a challenge or a series of challenges that I'm going to do in my sobriety. The first one being is getting a bloody hell out of this house, getting off the couch and doing something that puts me out of my comfort zone and using it as an experiment for the next time you do it, which yeah. is exactly what you said there. Good and one, I think Hamish. the more that you do that, the better you get at leaving a party at a time that suits yes. you. Yeah. And if, what, if you've perfected the skill of leaving a party when you want... There's very little frightening about going to a party. Yeah. Like, you can just leave. Just leave. Yeah. Yeah. Having a child is a good excuse for that, by the yeah. way. Even if you don't have a child, just yeah. say you have a child. He lied yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, he was very well. Yeah. Slept very well last night. Yeah. That rash was just me with a red pen <laughs> dotting him. Apparently, Sonny had a rash, but yeah, Hamish had the uh, the, the red marker out it's on just him. just Liz doesn't like you, yeah. so she didn't want to come. Fair enough. At least I know the truth now. <laughs> Outside of drinking, I think that the shift of having a far less busy social life with a new family is one that just needs to be accepted. You know, I think it's easy for me to look at my life and go, well, I don't go out very much. You know, I'm pretty quiet. I don't do a lot of social things anymore. How dull. But actually, I'm just at a different stage of life now. and I'm quite happy being at home with Liz and Sunny and just hanging out with the three of us. And Um, it's just got to accept the fact that this is a different chapter of my journey. Yeah, and I also think that life is about chapters. Like, mm-hmm. I had my kid chapter, I had my drinking chapter, and now I've got my family chapter, and eventually I'll have my retirement chapter. And I think, like, splicing your life up like that and going, like, this is okay for now. I don't have to be that person that I was all the time. I can change and evolve, and now I'm going to do this, and in the future I might do this. I think it changes. Yeah. I think life changes, and if we're more accepting of those changes, it's going to be easier to evolve. Just got to find the right partner. I remember when I met Liz, I remember thinking, this is the most entertaining human I've ever met. So even if if we didn't get married, I would have been best mates with her and hang out all the time. Yeah. So it's even doing crap things with her 
is good fun. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's lovely, Hamish. You're very sweet. I'm lucky. You are very lucky. So it's important. Whereas I'm really cursed with my husband. <laughs> yeah, you've got a dull one. <laughs> so dull. <laughs> Actually, I always say to people, people go, oh, isn't John lovely? You're so lucky. I say, oh, he's a bit boring sometimes. <laughs> but She's... I think sometimes people, will, like, let's talk about this for a second, Hamish. In relationships, I think sometimes people want everything, don't they? Right. They want the full package. They want good looks. They mm-hmm. have a big long list of all the things that they want to tick yep, off. Yep, yep. And I think sometimes it's not about those things. Like John, he doesn't laugh at my jokes, for example. Okay. He doesn't think I'm funny. Like sometimes I'm crying with laughter at an Instagram video of a mm-hmm. dog and I show it to him and he can't, he doesn't get it. Yeah. He just doesn't understand it. I'm laughing at things on TV. I'm like, John, John, look at this. This is hilarious. He does not get it. But that doesn't matter. Like, it's not about those things sometimes. It's about the fact that he's up at night caring for a sick child or cleaning the dog's bum with a hose or, like, yeah. all of these awful things are what make him a good husband. Yeah. It's not about how good-looking he is or how he, how like, brilliantly funny he is or what a good dancer he is. It's actually about all the other things that are important. It takes a long time to learn that, though, doesn't it? It does. Try saying that to a 16-year-old. Like, yeah. My boyfriend's a bit dull, my girlfriend's a bit dull, but wow, are they hot and that's yeah. enough. Or wow, know? is he going to be a good dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, It's never, oh, would they clean a dog's bum at three in the morning? <laughs> yeah, no. but actually they're the important things, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. doing the knit combing or like taking the bins out or doing the washing up. They're the things that matter. It's not that he doesn't laugh at a dog meme on Instagram. Just, just do, are they going to do the crap I don't want to do? Yeah. That's basically what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not lonely because I have a boring husband. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. And that's the important lesson for all of you to take home. (laughs) (laughs) It's so important to surround yourself with with good types of people. It doesn't matter if they're still drinkers or not, as long as drinking isn't the only thing that they do and that fuels their fun. Yeah. And also it doesn't have to be fun all the time, does it? No. Yeah. Simplifying things in sobriety and not thinking about, oh, I've got to have fun all the time. You can actually just relax and be content and accept more simple things. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important in sobriety to create your own new social world. I know that seems hard and overwhelming at the beginning, but it's actually essential. You've got to turn that kettle on and you've got to get out there and you've got to decide what you enjoy. Whether it's online or in person, I mean, don't go online and make yourself a fake catfish account and pretend to be someone else. I'm not talking about that sort of online or an OnlyFans account. Have you got one of those yet, Hamish? No. Oh, that's a shame. I would have logged off. I would have paid. <laughs> I would have been your first customer. Liz, Liz just bought us some fans and I think the website she got them from was called like Fans Only or like uh. Fans World. I was like, <laughs> have you accidentally set up an OnlyFans and I'm getting the bill for it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's nothing to do with air conditioning. No. Just in case she suddenly starts making a lot of money. (laughs) I think sometimes in sobriety it's easy just to focus on yourself and like how am I feeling about this and what am I going to do and and how am I dealing with my sobriety? Whereas in fact going out and meeting people and spending time with people might take the focus out of yourself. I remember that's something I had with my panic attacks when I was younger was that I was so inside my own brain and actually getting out there and being amongst people made me focus more on them which took the anxiety out of me and I think the same can be said with drinking is actually just stimulating yourself with other people's stories instead of thinking of your own is a good way to get out of yourself a little mm-hmm. bit yeah I used to make a diary of all of my interactions. I know this sounds weird, but in early sobriety, it was a really good log of the progress I was making. So you write the date and write, went to the pub with mates and this is how I felt. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. And actually that ended up being my book, which is like a, it was a log of all of these events and how I got over them and what I did to help myself in those social situations to make sure that I went out and didn't get lonely. It was important. So would you have a certain amount of days that you allowed yourself to stay in before you went out? Or yeah, you like, absolutely. Or you're like, I'm not out for five days, I need to go? No, I'd absolutely make sure yeah, I went out good. once a week yeah. so that I could log each time and go, right, I've done it once, I can do it again. Um, I also had to be okay with staying at home because you do stay at home a lot in sobriety and actually just owning that and saying, right, I like staying in and that's okay as long as you don't do it too often. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you say you do stay at home a lot in your sobriety. You don't, you don't have to. No. But, you know, you can still be as sociable. you just got to be comfortable around drink and drinkers if you're going to be 
Yeah, and also you don't go to as many pubs at night. Like, a lot of people yeah. are out a lot because they go to the pub in the evening or the hotel, as they call them here in Australia, whereas you don't do that a lot. So it's, again, about finding different experiences to do in the evening, swapping those yeah. negative patterns for something more fulfilling. Why are pubs called hotels here? You've I don't know, no idea. been here for years, we've yeah. never known. Why is it a hotel? It's not so a hotel. confusing. It's not it's a hotel, there's no rooms. No. Yeah. <laughs> Being alone in sobriety and being lonely are two very different things, Hamish. So you can feel alone, can't you? Yeah. When you are actually not alone, which is what you said when you go out and you're in a social situation and you feel lonely because you're the only non-drinker. And mm-hmm. that feels hard. So you have to get over that somehow. What do you I, think? I don't, know. I don't know the magic answer to that. No, it's hard, isn't you it? Do, you just have to keep doing it. You just until, have to keep okay. doing it until you don't feel it anymore. And it is about putting yourself out of that comfort zone. It's scary, but it will feel good eventually. That's what we're here to tell you. We've both done it and we've kept going and eventually it was all right. Gosh, Hamish, I just love having this chat about loneliness today because I think everybody out there feels it. We've changed our lives so much and this whole new world... This sobriety world feels so different and so overwhelming. We all know that deep down too much loneliness is bad for our health and our sobriety. Even though it does feel like the easier option to stay in, it could lead us to feel isolated or worse, it could lead us into relapse. I think our message on Sober Awkward is often about creating a new life for yourself when you get sober, one that still involves all the stuff you love just turned down a notch or two and reframed to suit the sober you. I think as our society accepts sober people more, more activities and venues will open up, giving us more choices about what we do with all that time left on our hands. Sobriety for sure is not about staying at home on your own. You can only do that for so long or Hamish and I will be on the phone to you, won't we, Ham? Oh, wait, where are you? Oi! Where are you going? Oh, <laughs> he's written a note here. Wait a second. It says, I'm off for an ice bath, a gym class, a writing workshop, a massage, a crossword, a meet up, a beach walk. And then I'm going to text some people that won't text me back and email some strangers. Then a swim. <laughs> I can't believe he's just written that and run out the door. Anyway, I was planning for a funny exit with him, but he's gone. <laughs> Hamish, come back. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cupper.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there, I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. <laughs> my teeny little wooden heart. Well, his, teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 